My father was convinced that the Russians would invade Western Europe. In order to put an ocean between them and himself, he and my mother decided that they had to emigrate to the United States. First, he discovered that the American quota for Hungarian immigrants had been filled. Next, he corresponded with the founders, who by now were in California and had bought agricultural property near Sacramento. From this, an idea, and I don't know whose it was, emerged. My father would become a farmer and we would emigrate on the farmer's visa with the founders sponsoring us. As 1950 began, we started the application process. As a consequence, my father had to appear before the American agricultural attaché in The Hague because the American embassy required proof that he was a farmer. Since any documentation of this status was non-existent, he was invited instead to come and pass a farming test. Of course, he knew nothing about farming. I acted as his coach, reading a book about agriculture and getting him prepared. He boarded a train to The Hague and took the test. After the test, the attaché told him, Mr. De Heinrich, you passed with flying colors. But I'm looking at your hands and I don't believe that you have ever held a hoe in your life. But congratulations, you are a farmer. In the meantime, the conflict in Korea broke out. A lot of Eastern Europeans thought the way my father did and were convinced this is it. My father was in total panic, wondering how he could get us to the States before the Russians arrived. A man named Bela Drea was living with his sons Bela and Janne in Belgium at the time. The Dreas were a big brewing family in Hungary and friends of ours. My father and the sons put their heads together and decided to buy open tickets to Rabat, Morocco, where Dreyer Sr. owned a rice plantation. Every day, my father went down to the Sabina office in downtown Brussels and changed the tickets to the following day. And then all of a sudden, our visas arrived on August 15th. Remember Aunt Lucy? Lucy Fowler, who was usually in Monte Carlo, heard that we wanted to get to the States. She went every year to visit her brothers there as she had to spend some time in the U.S., which she hated, as it took her away from her beloved casino to maintain her American citizenship. She had contacts everywhere, and she made arrangements for us to travel to the U.S. on the French line. We had our visa. We had passage on the French line ship Ile de France, and our belongings were already packed just in case the Russians invaded, and we had to go to Rabat. We took the train to Paris and checked into our hotel, the St. James Albany, on the Rue de Rivoli. When we arrived, we got the news that the Ile de France had run aground near Le Havre. The voyage was canceled. My father finally gets everything lined up and now the ship runs aground. Are you joking? Here we were, stranded in Paris. The car went out again to Lucinani, who castigated the French son. How can you do this to my friends? 
In response, the French line really went out of their way to help. They gave a cabin-class tickets on the Liberté, a German ship that was war compensation, had been given to the French. This would be its maiden voyage under the French flag and as the flagship of the line. In addition, the French line picked up our hotel bill. We were living on the French line's cab in Paris, and of course, we enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a very pleasant stay after the initial shock. My father's mood improved each day. The embarkment came closer. Finally, he was going to get some water between himself and the Russians. The concept of a sea voyage was all new to us. We finally took the train to Le Havre and boarded the Liberté. From Le Havre, we sailed to Southampton. The first thing I noticed when I looked out of the porthole was a warship, something I had never seen before, and this is etched in my memory. And then we went off across the ocean. Both my mother and brother were sicker than dogs, but my father enjoyed ourselves. Cabin class was still good, and we ate through the whole menu. We went to the bar and watched a movie every night. My father didn't care what I did, so it was a very pleasant crossing. I easily snuck over to the pool in first class, which of course I wanted to take advantage of. There I met an American boy, and soon we became friends. There were little cubicles passengers could use to change into swim gear, and he would chat while standing on the doorway to mine. As a European boy, I was not used to getting dressed in front of anybody else. And I used to freeze waiting for this idiot to get out of there so I could get changed. I'll never forget that. And it took me a while to become accustomed to it when I finally ended up in school in the States. Finally, we arrived in New York Harbor after the five-day trip. It was a beautiful day and they had a full reception, very impressive with fireboats, the maiden voyage of the ship. I can't remember seeing the Statue of Liberty. I was too busy looking at Dean Durbin, a film star, who was aboard. I had seen pictures of the Manhattan skyline, but it's beyond imagination to see the Empire State Building for the first time and from the deck of a ship. As we thought, I really thought we might be in Mombasa. Belgium had an African colony, the Belgian Congo, but we never before seen any black people, except for one shoeshine guy downtown Brussels. But here in New York, all the stevedores and porters were black. It took a moment to absorb. We went through customs. My father once again lost his faith, thinking they'd take able-bodied people, but the handicapped son certainly cannot possibly be a farmer. And so they throw me overboard. Obviously, nothing of the sort happened. The whole process was easy. We were greeted in New York by old friends, immediately surrounded by Hungarians. We didn't even have to make an effort to change languages. We had a stay of three or four days in New York before we were to take the train to California. My brother and I wanted to get out of the hotel out from under the supervision of our parents and discover New York. What we did discover is that Manhattan is actually pretty small. 
You could walk everywhere in Midtown without facing the unknown dangers of subways and buses. One of the main attractions was Rockefeller Center, and this is where I saw television for the first time. The RCA building houses studios and offices on the upper floors with a showroom at street level for products like TV sets and photographs. To make it even more interesting, the TV sets were broadcasting two sporting events. First, the finals of the Davis Cup were being played in Forest Hills, Queens, the tennis mecca with grass courts. I had been an avid tennis player before my accident, and now I was watching Frank Sedgman, Ken McGregor, or maybe it was Ken Roach, to play Ted Schroeder and Tom Brown for the Americans. The other screen was showing baseball, a game I've never seen before. I certainly couldn't figure it out then, nor would I have even known the difference between Joe DiMaggio and Jackie Robinson, or Roy Campanella and Yogi Berra. My probably went off to look at stores and he met later for lunch. Since we didn't speak a word of English, Horn and Hardart was the obvious choice. Horn and Hardart was an automat, but they also had a counter with hot food that you could point to and order, which is exactly what we did. And who was the guy behind the counter? A Hungarian, of course. We ate at Horn and Harder every day that we were in New York. Either we chose something from the compartments whose doors were open when you inserted a nickel, or we had our new Hungarian friend to serve us. There were many more prominent Hungarians in New York, and some were friends of my parents. Among these were the Corin family, who lived at 1000 Park Avenue, Ferenc Ferry. Corin was a Jewish-Hungarian banker and a financial advisor to Horthy and his government. So this family was never touched. He was married into the Weiss family, which owned and ran Weissman firm, a pillar of Hungary's heavy industry, producing everything from railroad cars to turbines. The Weiss family lived also on 1000 Park, with each family occupying a whole floor of the building. The Corian apartment was a gathering place for Hungarian emigres, the counter-government, and all the prominent political refugees. After a few days, we boarded an evening train bound for Chicago, where we were to change trains to cross the plains and then travel on to California. The train was exciting at first, after two days, of course, it got boring. Until we got to the Sierras. The train took us by Donner Lake, which was simply unbelievable. I'll never forget it. And I'm still impressed every time I go over the Donner Pass. Next, the train made a stop in Sacramento, the capital of California. And who shows up there? Freddy Bachi and George. They had come to ride with us onward to Berkeley. I hadn't seen George since Belgium, and I hadn't seen Freddy Bacci since Budapest. You can imagine the emotions we all felt at this reunion. <laughs> I don't think my mother stopped crying until we arrived in Berkeley. <laughs> the Fellners, our sponsor, all owned agricultural land in the area, remembered that ostensibly we were coming to farm. 
Julie Bachi had a house in Piedmont. Freddie Bachi lived at 88 Plaza Drive in Berkeley. Willie Bachi, who was at that time teaching in Princeton, let us stay in his house in Berkeley near the university for the first year after our arrival. Off we were whisked to a very famous Berkeley restaurant called Sprenger's. I remember the big family dinner with the Fellners. Freddie said, oh, you must try the abalone steak. Tastes exactly like chicken. My father, in a terrible and unforgettable faux pas, then why don't we order chicken? In September, at the beginning of the school year, the five Fellner boys were enrolled in Bellarmine, a Jesuit school south of San Francisco. Bing Crosby's sons attended, if that's any recommendation, and we got to meet them. As for me, I was enrolled in a so-called continuation high school. This was designed for foreigners, although there was only one other foreigner. Most of my fellow students were Americans who needed remedial education. Fortunately, that lasted only one semester before I transferred to Berkeley High School, which was one of the better public schools, as I understood, in the country. It certainly helped that I was always good at languages. My wife is as well, but she always wants to know why. I just tell her, Susan, that's the way it is. I write and read, speak German, English, Hungarian, and French fairly correctly, but I couldn't tell you anything about grammar. My only knowledge of English grammar is the concept of dangling modifiers, simply because I love the idea. I think I learned more English at the Berkeley Tennis Club than anywhere else. Dick Stevens was the coach at the club, as well as at the University of California, which boasted some very good players. Dick looked at me, probably thought, what am I going to do with this cripple? But he was an excellent teacher. I was interested, and under his tutelage, I quickly became a fairly good tennis player. A newcomer, Skip Adams, also went to Berkeley High, originally from Shortfield, New Jersey, where he rode polo ponies as a kid. He was a very good rider. When we met at the club, he asked me, what's the matter with your hand? When I explained, he said, can you play tennis? I told him, not very well. I'm just learning from Dick. Skip said, that doesn't matter. Let's go off and play a little bit. We came the best of friends through college. He lived near the club at his uncle's house, and this uncle had a television set. So I spent a lot of time at Skip's house watching TV. Very soon, we got a group of friends together, including a couple of girls. There were no restrictions with the Adams family, and once I got used to the new sense of independence, I did much more on my own. I was afraid of only one thing when I arrived in the state, and that was making friends. The founders were not within reach, and the old people didn't interest me that much. But with the members of the Berkeley Tennis Club, that problem solved itself very quickly. I made some friends at high school as well, of course, but the tennis club was where I spent all my free time. The adjustment to my new home was going smoothly, but some things were still strange to me. In Europe, drinking was no problem, and now that I had been dropped into a society in which you didn't drink or there were restrictions on drinking, which I didn't understand. 
Another thing was drinking coffee with meals, a combination that is understandable to me even to this day. When I'm in a restaurant and I see people having a couple with their hamburger, I say to myself, geez, something is wrong. Why not have a glass of wine or a beer? Another learning experience came during the football season at Cal. Berkeley had a stadium only for football, nothing else, seating 80,000 people. Suddenly, all the streets were full of parked cars. Our house was a 20-minute walk from the campus and stadium, but even our street was full. So were streets all over Berkeley. I discovered much later that people sold spaces in their driveways to fans attending the games. We were not that entrepreneurial, not yet anyway. In my first year at Berkeley High, when I was a junior, I saw a sign in block letters about an event and thought, okay, I'll go to it. And then somebody explained that it was to be a block B sports letter dance and that I needed to bring a date. And I said, well, what's a date? Despite my ignorance of the whole concept, I asked Charlene Dodge, a nice and nice looking girl. Then I learned that you have to get a corsage and this and that. And of course, I didn't have a car, but my father offered to drive us to the dance and pick us up. She was not a very modern girl, so she put up with that. When we got to the dance, the music started, I looked around and I asked another girl to dance. Incomprehensibly, her date almost killed me. I had to ask what the problem was and was informed only then that one doesn't do that. Talk about culture shock. But I survived and got used to it. I even got to know some girls, took them out and behaved according to the rules.